Hey, good morning uh, to you guys at Awaken. And if you haven't met me on Paul, Paul Burton, and I just get uh, a share of it from Scripture today. And I hope, hope you're doing okay. Uh, last week, we, we read the Scripture three times. We went through it with the questions. Um, what do these verses tell us about God? Uh, what do they tell us about ourselves? And, and if this is God speaking, the God who created the heaven and the earth, what do we need to do to align with them? What, what do they mean for us? How do we obey what the Spirit is saying to us from these scriptures? And we're going to keep doing this, uh, but we're not doing it today. And, and this is a form you can use in your quiet time. It's just a tool. These questions are tools. They're, they're nothing magic. They're just tools. You, know, you don't have to use them, but we do want to read scripture to hear God. We do want to open our hearts that the Holy Spirit can be teaching us from Scripture about Jesus and about how to walk as a believer, a Christian, here on earth today. And that's what we're about. We're not teaching Galatians to become experts on the book of Galatians. We have studied the book of Galatians, and we now know all sorts of things about the book of Galatians. Um, No, we're, we're looking into Galatians to see Jesus. Now, you're not even getting all I know about Galatians. I could go on, I could do do twice as many messages to get where we've got. But it's not about knowledge of the book. It's about knowledge of the person. And so is your heart open this morning to hear something from God? Father, I pray for every person who's listening to me. I pray that, that you would help them to open their hearts just to receive what you're saying to them. Whether they understand it or not. They would find themselves desiring just to, to hear your voice. So, Father, come and, and speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Get us all, Holy Spirit. Get us all. Thank you that you're here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, you're here uh, to teach our hearts how to trust God, how to walk in step with Jesus, how to live as believers, how to live in community, how to love one another, how to love our neighbours, how to love the people who are mean to us, how to be a testimony of the life of Christ walking on earth today, tomorrow, the next day, that you're teaching us how to live on earth as those who trust the Father in heaven, as our provider, as the God who created the heavens and the earth, who loves us and, and wants to know us and for us to live with them as a Father. Holy Spirit, come and teach us to live on earth as the sons and daughters of God, looking like sons and daughters of God, living like God is our Father. Isn't it wonderful, church, to know we can live on here knowing God is our Father? And you know, some of the things the Bible says in other parts of the Bible, the Galatians are amazing. Go to Matthew 6 and he says that our Father knows your needs even before you ask him. So when you study to ask God for things, remember he already knows. You're not convincing him. You're not having to outline. But he does like us to ask. We've got these, these things that go together. But remember that our God, cares deeply about us. And we're going to look into these scriptures and the first question we'll ask ourselves as we look at these uh, verses we read in Galatians chapter 3 and I think it was verses 7 to 20. And this is is all about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and, uh, I'm one of those guys who believes. 
that we get born into the gospel and then God begins to work the gospel on us. Uh, we don't leave the gospel and go on to other things. That The gospel is all the truth of Jesus being worked out in all of my life. And so we're looking at these to continue to see what it is to live in the gospel of Jesus and for the gospel of Jesus to be alive in me. And that means the person of Jesus. It means the work of the Holy Spirit. It means the grace of our Father in heaven. So we read these verses from 7 to 20. And I'm going to begin looking at them by asking ourselves, us, what do these verses tell us about God? Just some things, not everything, some things. One thing that these verses tell us about God is right at the end, in the last three words that we read in verse 20, have a look there now, open up your phone, look in your Bible, have a look there, there they are. God is one. God is one. These are incredible, aren't they, these verses? Just reminding us, God is one. What are some implications to us that God is one? God is one. Well, he is one between being the Father, between being Jesus, the Word of God that became flesh, the Son of God, in whom all other sons find their sonship. He's one with being spirit, the breath of God that comes alive in us. God is one. He is one in his mercy and his justice, his mercy and justice. They're not separate, they're one. They're one. He's one in his discipline and his blessing. He's one. They're one thing. We don't lose anything. He's one thing. He's the same God that was with Abraham, uh, thousands of years ago, that he is with us today. This story in Scripture pulls us into Abraham's journey and says it's one journey. God is one. He is one through all of time. It's like he is one and it's all like one time for him. He's one. And all of them is with you right now as one God. This word covenant that comes up reflects the fact that as God is one, he's inviting us to be one with him. Mind-blowing, unimaginable, completely impossible without God, but possible with God. That I live on earth as one with our Father in heaven as one with Jesus seated at his right hand in some place called heaven, that place called heaven. But no, let's not get caught up in the detail that we can't understand. Let's believe what we can understand that God is one and he is one with you and he is one with me and he is the same God. He is the same God with all of us. Oh, this is amazing truth. God is one. We read in there, we also find that God is blessing. Verse 9, so those who rely on faith are blessed. Who are they blessed by? They're blessed by God. They're blessed by creation. They're blessed by what all of God's world is a blessing to them. All that God is and that he is one is a blessing to them. To those who along with Abraham, the man of faith. So God desires to bless because he is a blessing. Verse 14, he redeemed us in order that the blessing 
giving to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. So God is blessing. His heart is to bless. His heart is to be good. He is good, so he does good. Everything he created, he said at the end of it, it is good. Adam lived in a world with Eve that was good. That was very good. And there was only one restriction on them. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because the fruit of that tree, the result, the consequence of eating of that tree was death. So out of everything is good but that tree. And, and if you eat of that tree, death comes into this world that doesn't know death. Curse comes into this world that does not know curse. Why? Because it took you out of God's story. It'll take you out of my grace and my mercy into your own world. And so we don't go there. But, well, we live there. Um, am I confusing you? But, but we see God is blessing. God is blessing. We also see, or I see, something about God here that he's asking us for one thing. He's asking us to trust him. Those of faith, those who rely on faith, those who rely on their trust in God are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You ever considered that worship is essentially trust? That how we trust God is how we worship God. Worship is essentially trust. And you shall have no other gods before me in the Ten Commandments are saying, you shall trust nothing else but me as your God, as the one who is truth to this world. God is asking us to trust him. But we find some things here about ourselves. We find some things about people, you and I. We find that all those who rely on the law, as it says in verse 10, are under a curse. Because it is written, he says, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So we find that we are living either in Faith towards God or under a curse. And, and I know it's hard for us to think, oh no, God curses. No, no, no. Here's, an, here's what I mean. Here's what living under a curse looks like. From my perspective, I could be wrong, but um, think of it like this. A couple of weeks, well, no, actually a couple of weeks ago, just last week, not the one just gone, but the one before, I uh, and Grace were driving down a road here in England in a car, with a uh, borrowed car, and uh, it's and uh, I had a tire blow out. First time I think in my life I've had a tire blow out driving down the road. Pulled over on the side of the road, very little um, edge to these roads. Managed to get half off the road and if the right front tire has blowed out. 
We had a successful change. It was really great. A couple of got carload of uh, men, young men compared to me anyway, stopped. They jumped out. They came and helped me change the tire. They took over. I mean, I, I know how to change a tire. I've done it before. I could do it again. I had everything I needed, but they took over. They did it all. They put it all back together. And so we went driving off with the spare. What had happened to that tire is about a, a two centimeter strip on the inside of the tire had completely worn down to the, um, to, to the, well, it worn down to the wire and in one place worn right through and created a hole. Just a two centimeter band. The rest of it still looked like 80 plus percent good tread. So I had to go to the tire guy on the next day, um, near where we live and had a look at it. We had a look at the left front tire. It was exactly the same for a two centimeter band right down the inside was completely worn down to the wire. So we replaced both tires and I got a wheel alignment. Good, smart thing to do and, and went on my way. What if I decided I'm not going to bother with a wheel alignment. I'll replace the tyres, but I'm just going to carry on because after all, 80% of those tyres was good. Most of the majority of those tyres was really good. It was only a tiny bit that was wrong. So I'm not going to bother with a wheel alignment. I'm just going to take off and drive on the new tyres like I did on the old ones because most of them was really good. You know, that, that's 80%, you know, that's a pass mark in most tests. So I, I head off and... Uh, a couple of weeks later, I have another blowout. And I'm beginning to think, I'm cursed. I'm cursed. Ah, I'm cursed. Every time I put a tire on the car, it blows out. See, wherever we try and live out of alignment with truth, we're cursed. And somewhere, at some time, it will show up in our lives or around us. And so, so, so we're all under a curse. Why? Because we rely on the law. We rely on our ability to produce something good for God or, or for anything else. You know, I've found that uh, many times I've thought my Christian life in the past was a bit like buying flat packs. I don't like buying flat packs. You know, when you go and buy a piece of furniture in a box and you've got to take it home and then out of what's in the box, following the instructions, we have to assemble that piece of furniture. And when I do it, it's usually a frustrating um, task. And at the end of it, I think, I never want to do this again. But somewhere years later, I might end up doing it again because I've forgotten the painful experience of the last one. But many of us live like we God gave us all the bits and parts and, and, and we've got to somehow put them all together and get it all just right so that we will be pleasing to God. And we've got to get that and then we've got to try and help other people get the parts right too. In fact, we've got to get our government to pass laws that get all the parts right as well. Otherwise God won't like us. And it is a bunch of lies, by the way, because we are in doing that. We feel like God's given us the law and we're relying on ourselves to keep the law. It's impossible. We can't do it. We may be able to get the flat pack put together and looking pretty good. Maybe even 99% perfect. But this flat pack we're talking about is our life. And no matter how well we can put our life together, we cannot breathe the Spirit of God into it. So it's still a dead life. 
before God. It's still a godless life before God. It's still an empty life before God. And it's still going to die. It hasn't got his eternal breath in it. So even if we could put the flat pack together perfectly or almost perfectly, we can't breathe the life into it. Those who rely on the law are under a curse because they cannot breathe life into what they are creating. But those who rely by faith receive the promise of the Spirit, the breath of life. So, so the scriptures are, are telling us some things about God, that, that, that he's God of blessing, that he's one. It tells us that, that people who, who try and rely on themselves to keep the law are under a curse. And then we get this uh, other word that shows up in verse uh, 13 and 14, where it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ. So we start to see that God is also a redeemer. And, and if something is redeemed, it's not fixed. It's not just helped out. Redemption is not a helping hand. Redemption is not making your current life a little bit better. Redemption is coming into your current situation, circumstance and status in life and taking you out of that and putting you in a new place. If you're to redeem a slave, you take them out of slavery and you put them in freedom. You probably have to take them out of the whole geographical and relational realm they're in and put them in a new one. It's a change of status and it's a change of circumstances. It's a complete change. And Jesus didn't come just to fix your current life. He came to redeem us from our current life and to plant us in his life, the eternal son of God life. This word redemption is a beautiful word. It's a marvelous word. But to be redeemed requires the work of someone else. What we do is receive their work. We go along with their work. We journey with their work. Yes, it may have some danger involved to our past life. It leaves it all behind. But he is our redeemer. I love the word redeemer. But he introduces another word here. And and he talks about it. Where has it gone? Uh, Down in verses 15 to 20. He says, brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant, he adds this word covenant. So the way God redeems us is through covenant. The way faith works is within covenant. He says, just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly or properly established, so it is in this case, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. Oh, goodness me. This is revelational. This is telling me that the covenant God made with Abraham that we read about in Genesis 15 through to 22 was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. It means that the promises in that covenant made to Abraham become mine in Jesus Christ. 
It's telling me that, that the words God was speaking to Abraham when he was saying, through you all nations will be blessed, become reality today for me and for you in Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the fulfillment of a covenant that God made for Abraham many, many, many years ago. And God is one. And he is the same God today that he was with Abraham. And he began something with Abraham that he is completing today through Jesus Christ with you and I. And this pulls the whole scripture together because not only is God one, but scripture is one. It's one story about God and redeeming people like you and I, redeeming all people who will come who will come. This is exciting. So good to see that I can read scripture as one story from God to us. And uh, so good. Not to many, but to one, the one person, Jesus Christ. Verse 17, what I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later, after Abraham that is, does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. Whoa! So what God said to Abraham is still good today. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it depends, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through promise. See, are you living today? Trusting God's word, trusting that his promise is yes and amen to you, or you live in trust in your ability to get something right. Holy Spirit, help us all to see clearly where we're trusting ourselves to be right and where we're trusting your promise to become righteousness in us. Promise from God, promise from God. This is so important to see the difference here and you're not going to see it about the help of the holy spirit but he's in your life if you're a believer to help you to see this and he will convict you of where you're trusting yourself to get it right and he will call you to trust him to get it right for you this this is all of life this is everything and uh, we live in the promise we live in the promises i don't have to claim the promises and Jesus and all the promises are yes on me and the Holy Spirit is working to teach me and train me and lead me in living a life in those promises. I have to remember them, but, but he's the one who brings them forth for me. They don't come to me because I claim them. They become reality in my life as I trust the Holy Spirit to work them into me and allow him to help me to remember them and to practice living in them. Come on, we live in the promises of God. Verse 19. Why then was the law given at all? We're not going to talk about that today, but I want to bring out the rest of these. It was added because of transgressions until the seed, Jesus, to whom the promises referred, had come. Here's the part, the reason I included these verses in this reading. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Do you see here two covenants? God made a covenant with Abraham in which he included all people. In Genesis 12, he says, Through you, Abraham, all 
peoples are to be blessed. And, and, and Galatians is commenting on that and saying that includes you and me. And the way he says this comes to us is through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of a covenant God made with Abraham. And what we're going to see is when God made this covenant with Abraham, he made it with himself for Abraham. We saw that last week briefly. And alongside that, there's a second covenant made, another covenant made. And he made that covenant through Moses with the Israelites after they'd come out of Egypt. And he says there that this covenant made through Moses with the Israelites was made in verse uh, 19. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. The mediator was Moses. So angels came and told Moses what God wanted, and Moses was a mediator who brought it to the people. So the covenant was made with the Israelites, but in between was Moses. That covenant has come to an end. That covenant no longer stands uh, there because we've come into the prior covenant through Christ that was already established that, that overarches and over, um, well, just envelops the, the lesser one, the covenant made with Abraham. Now we need to just, just talk about this a little bit more as we come to an end to understand what's going on here. So God is one, and God is blessing. But people have relied on the law, on the knowledge of good and evil, and come under a curse. But God, out of his being one and being blessing, has provided redemption from that curse, from sin, from death, through Jesus Christ. Christ. And when he did this, he was fulfilling a covenant that he made for Abraham. And so when he made the covenant of Abraham, we saw last week in Genesis 15, <clears throat> that he made the covenant with Abraham through using some traditional or customary practice that was uh, known in those days. And Abraham creating a blood path. But we saw that when he created that blood path in Genesis 15, Abraham never walked it. He never walked the blood path of covenant. But God went through twice, once, twice. Once for himself, once for Abraham. Once as our father, once as Jesus Christ. I don't know how he did it back then. Um, we're left of some gaps in our understanding, but we see that it happened. This is so important. Because what he's saying here in Galatians is, it's not your works. It's the works of Jesus. This, that God has come and made a, offered a covenant from heaven to earth. And then God came down on earth in the person of Jesus Christ as a man, just as we are as a man. And as that man, only that man, he walked through the blood path and he completed the covenant between our uncreated Father in heaven and the created man who completed a covenant 
It is now a complete covenant in Christ. It is our place of redemption in that covenant. All the promises are yes and amen. And we come into the covenant without adding anything to it because we believe in it. Then we live faithful to being in the covenant. Are you seeing something here? God went through twice. Once as God, once as a man. And, and this is so important to see. If we go to Genesis 22, and I'm I'm just looking there now on my uh, computer and just read a couple of verses in Genesis 22. Uh, here we go. There, there it is. Genesis 22. You know the story of Genesis 22. And, and it connects to this covenant idea. And in Genesis 22, it starts off saying that, that God said a test, came to test Abraham. And the test was this. Abraham, you know Isaac, your son, the one that was born according to promise, the one that you couldn't have, but I worked a miracle within you as you believed in me, as you trusted me. I worked a miracle in you. You had the son with Sarah that you couldn't have without me. And, and you have the son, the one that I promised you, the one that I said you would have. You know that son, Isaac, the miracle son, the promised son, the gift from God's son. Yep. The one who is your life, your hope, your future, the one you dreamed of, the one you desired more than anything else. That son. Yes, I got him. I want you to come bring him up to this mountain. I want you to lay him before me as an offering on an altar. Why, Abraham, only knew one way to give an offering. That was to build an altar and put a fire in it, to put an animal on it or a life on it, and then to kill it. There's an offering to God, a life offered up to God. And so he goes and he, he does all this and, and he's up there and they're getting the offering ready. And Isaac says, uh, where, where's the offering now, Dad? And he says, God himself will provide. And we know the story that, that there's Isaac all laid out on the altar and, and then a ram, the angel comes and says, stop and look around and there's a ram and he takes the ram and he offers the ram instead of, well, not instead of Isaac, as the offering instead of Isaac and God himself provided. And we see the test was, Abraham, will you trust me with everything? We see the Galatians 2.20, for I am crucified with Christ. And yet not I live, but Christ lives in me. And this life I live in my flesh on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We see Abraham's laying out his life like a living sacrifice. And we see God provision. God will provide. Hebrews 11 tells us that Abraham believed that, that if he had taken Isaac's life, that God would raise him from the dead because he believed God. He believed in the promise and he believed that God would be faithful, that God would provide. See, this is living in covenant. He's testing the covenant. Abraham, do you trust me? more than you trust what you see in front of your eyes. More than you trust your feelings. Do you trust me? And let's read verses 16 and 17 in Galatians 22. Crazy. In Genesis 22, verses 16 and 17. I'll read verse 15. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. 
that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And he reminds him of what he told him in Genesis 15, who make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore and more. The point I want to highlight there is because Abraham, you have offered your life to me as a living sacrifice. Because Abraham, you, you've come and said, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. You weren't saying the words like that, but you were acting out. You were trusting me like that. Because you are faithful towards me as I am faithful towards you. Because as I gave up my only son for you, you would not hold back anything from me. God doesn't want us to put people on altars. We know that. But he wants us to live with him as the ones who trust him with all our heart. To allow him to be the God who provides, provides spiritually, soul, mentally, emotionally, even practically for our lives. To live trusting that God is our provider. He says, because of that, I swear by myself. He says, my fulfillment of my promises and my word in your life is on me. It's on me. It's not on you. It's on me. This is covenant. See, God has covenanted with God for us to receive the inheritance, the promises, the benefit of covenant. Our redemption, all of it is in this covenant. Our blessing, all of it is in this covenant. And this covenant is our life in Christ. I, I hope you're hearing something in your spirit today. See, the point of this is, is to hear God saying to you, it's all in me. And it's all on me. Will you trust me? All your life can find its fulfillment in me. All my blessing is in me for you. All my goodness is in me for you. I have an inheritance in me for you. Will you trust me? Will you trust me like Abraham trusted me? That I am Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide. Don't trust yourself. Trust me. Verse 18, and through your offspring, he says, all nations on earth will be blessed. Ah, oh, wrong verse. I want to go back to chat. Galatians 3, verse 18, not read verse uh, 22, verse 18. Even though that was a great verse, wasn't it? Because it brings us right into the Through your offspring, all nations of this earth will be blessed. And the way they were blessed is Jesus came through the offspring of Abraham. And he ties us right back into Galatians 3. But here in verse 18, it says, For the inheritance depends on the law, and it no longer depends on the promise. God in his grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. It depends on the promise, and it's faith in the promise, and the promise is Jesus Christ. I mean, will you, will you trust God? Will you, will something in your heart say, I want to live my life fully trusting God in every way for everything, fully trusting that Jesus Christ is my Redeemer, that he has covenanted with God 
to provide a redemption for me, an inheritance for me, a blessing for me. And I can live in it by faith because I trust him. I don't always understand it. I, I, I don't always know how what, what my experience is going to be. But I want to live trusting Jesus completely, completely, completely. Look, that, that's about all we can do. We're not trying to work something out and to make it right and to get it right. We're learning to live as children, trusting their father, to be the father that he says he is. We're learning to be sons, trusting their father. Jesus is the master son, and we are the apprentice sons, learning in Christ to trust our father. Will you trust him? Don't rely on the law. Don't rely on your knowledge. Don't rely on your understanding. Don't rely on your good works. Don't rely on your anything you can find and looking in yourself. But rely fully on Jesus Christ. Because he has completed the covenant with the Father. Amen. Oh, we've taken enough time this morning. Holy Spirit, keep teaching us how to trust God and to live in by faith in every situation, circumstance we find ourselves in. And for you listening to me, as you sit and, and just consider the circumstances around your life right now, the, the challenging ones, the good ones, the not so good ones, the painful ones, or the wonderful ones. And then just ask yourself, Father, teach me how to trust you in all of these. In all of these, that every part of my life is lived by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus Christ and his gift of the Holy Spirit to me. Amen and amen. Father God, bless us all, I pray, as we finish this talk now. Amen.